0: Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Winbet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game betting odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet, download the WinBet app now, or visit wynnbet.com to start winning.
1: And welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Cast on the Roto-Viz Radio Network. Week 13? Week 13 is in the books? Or week 14? Week 13. Week 13 is in the books. Uh, Dan is nodding. And I'm joined by the lovely Dan Sanyo as he is brought to you by the roto Radio Network via Blue Wire. Dan Sanyo in your ear holes. How's it going tonight, Dan?
2: It is going. That is us. That is We. Brought to you, of course, by the lovely RotoViz and BlueWire. Uh, going to continue on with the report card segment. You know, last week we did quarterback report cards, and this week uh, I think just kind of going to follow suit and, and go with the old running backs, I believe.
1: Sounds like what the kids call a plan. All right, so let's get into the show. We're we're gonna start off with a bit of bit of a, a softball, a slow pitch. I don't, I don't think it takes a lot of dynasty hashtag analysis to uh, to give a report card for this player. This player has a new quarterback in Carson Wentz. This player is a second year player, and he's averaging what the kids call twenty four point oh three PPR points <laughs> per game, good for the number one overall running back in scoring. The Colts offense has been so weird because it was so abysmal the first like, you know, four or five games and now it's been like at least presentable and then Jonathan Taylor has been like elite part of the offense. So with Taylor, what do you what are you taking away from his, you know, first thirteen weeks of the season?
2: Well, I, I mean, we we kind of talked about it in the off season and a lot, honestly, last year about Jonathan Taylor and and my issue always was was that there wasn't really any room for growth in his value because he's been I believe a top five asset now for a year straight, he's, he's been going in that, in that top two to five range. And obviously now he's, he's pretty much locked in at one, unless you're a, a wide receiver lover like Nathan and I, and you're probably going either chase or Jefferson, but it's been impressive. You know, the last time he wasn't an RB one in weekly scoring was week three against Tennessee. Ever since then, he has been an RB one every single week, obviously with the one monster game against Buffalo, where he scored over 50, but, uh, outside of that one, even if you take that one away, he's still pretty much averaging like 20 points a game, which is absurd. So I think, uh, I, I didn't think maybe we would get to the ceiling as quickly as we did, uh, especially considering the offense and, and Carson Wentz under center, but Jonathan Taylor is, is kind of proving what a, a lot of people thought that he would be. And, and he's getting, the majority of the work, I think the one the one kind of sour taste left in your mouth, even though it's hard to score more points than he's scoring, would be if he got more involved in the passing game. And uh, that, again, can be a little bit tough, considering the, sti- the nature of the still, offense. But con- still,
1: considering his like college profile, if you would have told me that we were getting 45 targets, 36 catches in his sophomore year, I would have taken that, and we're in week 13. like right that's going to be 50 catches at least by the end of the season. So I think that he's above expectations. Like we, we, we talk about, you know, grading on our scale based on what we were expecting. And I, I know that he showed some receiving chops in, in 2020, but he's not even, he's shown even more in 2021 with, with Wentz at the quarterback.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's already matched his catch total from last year and he's looked a lot better doing it. He's looked definitely more comfortable. Uh, so I, I just, I, I really do think that even though he's pretty much locked in as the top asset, there is still a little bit of room yet to grow. Uh, you know, the chasing the the targets alongside all of those carries can be a little bit detrimental to the long-term, you know, effect of a running back, but that's why we chase rookie contracts on running backs. Nathan and I harp on that all the time, chase these first four slash five years on these running backs. Cause that's when you're going to get all of the heavy usage essentially locked in and, Every ounce of it, uh, assuming health, is going to be fantasy production.
1: That and people
2: continually,
1: even though we see it year after year after year, people continually pay a premium for those fifth and sixth year running backs. So ride the wave of Taylor for the next four years, and then flip him for a first round startup wide receiver or a you know a younger running back. Like, there's not really a fear of oh he's going to lose all his value because you're going to have plenty of time in advance to sell him. Not that you're really concerned about that in 2021, but. know when i'm doing a startup like i'm about to pose this question and obviously for a 2022 startup he's in the conversation of chase jefferson mahomes and kyler as far as superflex so i i will more often than not going to take the quarterback even mahomes as he's had like you know not a mahomesian type year the last really two years but he's still been amazing but I'd still take Mahomes because of the long term viability, unless it's like, you know, some sort of like a, a, a adjusted league where it's like a four year league or, or something like that. But traditional dynasty, I'm going to take that high, high floor of, of Mahomes or Kyler um at this stage.
2: Yeah, so I think it really depends on your strategy. I think if you're going into the draft trying to win within your first couple of years, I definitely think you start with Taylor and go a little bit later with the quarterbacks and get some of the older guys that are going to produce, maybe not as highly as the potential for uh, a Patrick Mahomes or a Kyler Murray, but it's a lot of e- e- easier to contend with the likes of streaming Taylor Heineke and, and Matt Ryan than it is wasting, not wasting necessarily, but using a high pick on a quarterback and then having absolutely no running back. So I, I probably would be in uh in the camp of taking Jonathan Taylor first if i'm competing uh if i'm planning on punting i'm probably going uh one of the wide receivers and if i'm just going to try to go for that lovely healthy balance uh then i'm probably going quarterback i feel like that's the best way to guarantee yourself some safety and a higher floor is starting quarterback but you know there's there's a million different ways to play it we've seen we've seen everybody win and and the you know the different options never stop so um I'm not going to fault anybody for, for taking Taylor at one. I'm not going to fault anybody for taking Mahomes at one. I, I just, I definitely think that is the discussion is which one of the top assets in each, you know, uh, position are, are we going to go with depending on your actual strategy? All right. So
1: it's now time to put uh, pen to paper with our grades. Um, I'm going to go with an A here. Still, like you said, there's still a little bit of room for growth in the passing game, but not much. So he could be an A plus in just a couple weeks, but I'm gonna go with with an A for Jonathan Taylor through the first 13 weeks of the season.
2: Because of the consistency, and you know, I, this is one of the cases of of the player actually performing to their draft value and and ADP and whatever trade value. I, I unfortunately. I, as much as I would love to stick with just an a, I think I have to give him an a plus because of the fact that in my opinion, he's outperformed what was set out in front of him. That offense isn't exactly great, but it's built for them to run and, and Carson Wentz only has to be mediocre to keep the defense at bay a little bit. But Jonathan Taylor is so good that even when Wentz is bad, he's still producing big numbers. So uh, I'm going to go a plus on Taylor. I think, He's lived up to every ounce of of the hype, and I don't really see it slowing down for the next couple of years.
1: All right, let's move on to the RB2 in terms of fantasy points, and that is one Austin Eckler. It, it is kind of crazy just looking. Uh, obviously, we, we talked about it last week, the NFL fantasy summary via the RotoViz app is gold. It is pretty. It is awesome. And just looking at the points, the fantasy points for Taylor 312, then Eckler 266, and then Mixon 227, 40 points less and nearly 100 points less than Taylor. So there there is clearly like a top two in terms of point scores so far this year. But Austin Eckler, you know, he's got Justin Herbert at quarterback over uh, over the long haul. And I think he he's a second contract running back, though, right? He, we're breaking our rule by liking him right now, right?
2: <laughs> he is, in fact, 26. He was drafted in 2017. Uh, so this is the start of, of contract number two. Uh, it's an interesting one. I, like you said, it, it's hard. He doesn't really fit our our normal, you know, the, uh, the box we live in. And here's Austin Eckler, 26 year old running back on an absolutely grand slam offense, and nobody ever really talks about him. His no- November ADP was at the end of the third round. That that seems crazy. I, I, I get the age and and kind of how we move, but he's putting up points. You know, it, historically the touchdowns really hadn't been there. He's a, he's essentially doubled his career total on the ground just this year. He had nine going into the year. He has eight already, but he also hasn't really been the feature back except for about half of last year, three, you know, three quarters of his games last year. And uh, with Justin Herbert there and and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, uh, that offense, man, it's, it's looking really good for Austin Eckler and, and the remainder of his contract. So even though we, we do desperately, despise the the second contracts for running backs he's got some of the higher ceiling than than any of these other second contract rbs do um because you can get
1: them because of the pass catching and the quarterback Those those are the two huge things that can kind of extend the career of a running back
2: exactly and he's he's absolutely shown his receiving chops in in 2019 he had 108 targets and 92 catches last year he only played 10 games he had 54 catches this year he has fifty six through twelve, slowed just a touch, but he's also missed some time, hasn't he? Or he's been maybe dinged up. No, he hasn't missed any games. He's hasn't he? He's maybe been dinged up. I don't know. Either way, this to me feels like it's a smash at, at third round value, especially in startups. People fear that that number and think the Chargers are going to move on, or or maybe they're only going to throw. Well, guess what? Eckler's pretty important in a passing game too. So. This to me, it, it just it feels like one of those points don't match the the ADP.
1: Yeah, and I'm gonna give my grade here of an A-minus. And the only reason why it's an A minus, he's great, a great value for dynasty. He's but perpetually been more value, valuable. Um he's his points have been worth more than his fantasy value. But in 2021 so far, he has been a hair bit of a boomer bust. 67% of his games have been RB1, including a 41 and 34 point performance. But he does have three games of rb3 or lower so and but all granted those rb3 performances were eleven, nine, 9 and 11 points so those aren't killing you necessarily but in terms of like a redraft if you were drafting austin eckler as your rb1 you probably aren't loving an 11 point performance but yeah, I, I think that would be the only like fret I would have with Eckler is that like, hey, maybe that forty-one point game. Let's sprinkle that on the the nine a little bit.
2: <laughs> yeah, if that uh, that that would be nice if we had the option of of hitting like a, a league average or a, a weekly average something. I, I'm gonna hit him with a solid A. I, I think his ADP doesn't match his production whatsoever, and the the one like you kind of mentioned before, the one little tick is his trade value is never going to be anywhere near his ADP uh, or his production. I, I, it's one of those, it's just kind of a strange asset where even though you are taking him in his, in the third round, you're probably not trading Austin Eckler for anything close to like a third round startup value. And his production is probably closer to like a first round startup value. So uh, I'm going to go with a solid day. He, he's outproducing what he's, what he's cost. And, um, even though he is a little bit older, I think there's a bright few years here still uh, in L.A.
1: All right, let's move on to a player who has not been as impressive as Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler in 2021, and that is one Saquon Barkley of the New York Giants. Saquon, he's been dinged up. He was dinged up in the preseason. He's He's been dinged up in the regular season, but don't let that distract you from the fact that he just has not been good at running the football in 2021. Like it is hard to watch and hard to comprehend a guy who and someone brought up that, you know, in college in his early years, he was a bit of a boom bust play in terms of like his runs. Like he, he would probably have a hundred yards every game because he would hit a 60 yarder every game. He's just not hitting those long runs anymore. And without that, he's gonna average like 3.4 yards per carry or something like that. So with Saquon Barkley, he's averaging 12.35 points per game with 30 catches. It, there's just no way. Like, I feel like, yes, there's people who are obviously following fantasy points things like that. But if you asked me, you know, if you if I went to sleep for two months and you asked me, hey, Saquon or Eckler, I would have been like, are Are you smoking something? Like, obviously Saquon. <laughs> but, but I I would be hard pressed to find an argument where you're you're taking Saquon over over Austin Eckler.
2: And what's crazy there too is, is Saquon will continue to go two rounds ahead of Eckler, even with the scoring differential people are in love. They're in head, are head over heels with Saquon Barkley. And I get it. He's super attractive on paper, but he has not been good for three years. Like I, 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 I don't get the infatuation at this point. The giants are awful all around. They have horrible management. Daniel Jones sucks. There's no way that they're coming out of this. Now, all of the talk we had early, like in the preseason, and I, I've been on the train of sell Saquon, sell Saquon, sell Saquon, and all of the talk we had about Detroit with DeAndre Swift and how bad teams don't really put out that many productive running backs, well, I think we were right. We were just wrong on the player. It was Saquon Barkley all along, and and I didn't even not like him from that perspective. I knew that was part of it, but... The hype had just gotten overwhelming. He was a top two or three asset for. I mean, it's been what four years almost now that mm-hmm. he's been a, a very t- top of the iceberg asset. Yeah, I mean, and, he was
1: he, he was a top of the iceberg asset the moment he joined the league, and he this is his one, two, three, fourth year in the league.
2: And his only usable year was his rookie year. Even even his sophomore year, even though he he kind of went off after started the injury started to pile up it that's been it obviously he didn't play really in 2020 this year he's missed uh, i think four maybe five games but he has not looked like 2018 saquon he has not looked like penn state saquon um this is probably one of those cases of the running back has just been completely used i, I mean the life expectancy on a running back is four years four and a half years something like that and I think, unfortunately, he used most of his gas in college.
1: Yeah, if you would have told, I'm doing a lot of retrospective and and, uh, comparisons here, but like, if you'd have told me after 2019 that Saquon would only be 50% top 24 weeks in 2020 and 2021. Granted, there's been injuries throughout that, but he's played 10 games and he has five top 24 weeks. Like, I'm gonna kind of like a top 12 tight end. It doesn't take a lot to be a top 24 running back at all.
2: And Saquon has five of those games in the
1: last
2: two years. And as far as grading goes, you know, obviously with the injuries and whatnot, it's kind of hard. You almost want to give him like an incomplete. But I mean, it's it's like uh, as close to an F as you can possibly get without really being an F because he's still retaining some of this dynasty value somehow. Obviously, you're not selling him for a first round asset at this point, at least in most cases. There are some owners that are still in love with Saquon Barkley. Why? Why? I don't know. Um, But he's retained some of this value and not many other assets could do that with this kind of stinker of a season or season and I guess two seasons at this point. Um, So I'm going to say D minus just because of the value retained.
1: Yeah, I'm going to give a D solely because I'm hoping not even because I have Saquon Barkley in a bunch of leagues, but I'm hoping this is all Daniel Jones' fault that in, 20, <laughs> in 2022, someone other than Daniel Jones will be a quarterback and it'll like be the fountain of youth for Saquon Barkley.
2: There we go. We're
0: driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: All right. On to a rookie running back in the Denver Broncos, Javante Williams. What do you think of this young runner, Daniel?
2: Well, I, I wasn't the biggest fan. I thought he was going to be good. Not great. He's looked pretty, I mean, I would say decent. I don't, i still don't see greatness quite yet. Um, and that of course is coming off of a 30 point week against Kansas city. So Javante really hasn't gotten
1: Kansas city is the most bipolar defense (laughs) to ever live.
2: (laughs) It's so strange. That whole team is bipolar. I I don't understand how they, they do it, but um, this is kind of, of Javante's first looks at, at real RB one share back in week nine, he had 17 carries and did a lot with that against a, again, another very bipolar defense in Dallas. And now, this week with Melvin Gordon, I believe out or at the very least limited, uh, he had 23 carries for 102. And he also had six catches for 76 and a touchdown. So that is kind of what we've been hoping to see out of Javante. He hadn't, he hadn't been consistently used in the passing game. I guess if you want to go with consistency, getting like three targets a game, that would be consistent. But this one, he had nine. The, the His previous high was seven. And he did more with his looks this week, than I think he's done all year. And again, Kansas city's defense isn't exactly, you know, the, the 86 or 84, whatever year it was bears. But uh, yeah, I mean, he looked okay, probably slightly above average. I still don't see a true RB one in Javante Williams, but it doesn't matter what I think if the Denver Broncos love him, which they seem to clearly like him quite a bit. Uh, I do still see a, a committee backfield, but once he gets that RB1A role, I, I don't think there's going to be much turning back. I think he's got a, a hold on it.
1: Yeah, with Melvin Gordon kind of like holding him back throughout the first like half of the year at least, he's still 18th in NFL in attempts for running backs and 18th in NFL in targets for running backs. So, you know, you have to assume that Melvin Gordon exits stage left in 2022. So with that... I think that Javante is like locked into top 10 RB volume. And so you, like you said, I'm not sure how much the talent really matters. Granted, I think that he's looked better than I expected him to be, but I think part of that was just my ETN bias was like when people started like trying to say Javante was better than ETN, which still was not the case, but I was basically just like, there's no way. And, but now he's, <laughs> he's, he's looking like a good NFL running back. Like, I don't think he's as good as ETN or, you know, some of the other top tier backs, but I do think he's going to be good enough with the volume that he's going to get in 2022. So um, it it is one of those things that it's definitely to, this week is not the week to buy after his 29.8 performance uh, and 20.1 the previous week. But I'm not sure really when the time will be. I mean, maybe like if Melvin Gordon comes back and takes back a, a large share of the, the carries, but I don't think it's really going to scare very many dynasty managers off.
2: Yeah. And I mean, he's steadily risen up the charts a little bit here too. Obviously, Uh, the less that they use Melvin Gordon and the more that they use Javante, we kind of get a better look at at what the future may hold. Um, And another thing that could potentially be holding him back a little bit is who they have under center with Teddy Bridgewater. And and I've always been a fan of Teddy, but he does limit the offense, not quite as much as Jalen hurts limits an offense, but he definitely limits it. They're, They're not, you know, no, no defense is really afraid of Teddy taking over a game. So they kind of can scheme to cover everybody. But I think if, you know, let's say Aaron Rodgers comes to town for for 2022 or Russell Wilson comes to town for 2022, or maybe Denver has other plans and, and goes and gets a, another big name quarterback from wherever. However, uh, that's going to be huge for Javante Williams, assuming he's going to hold on to that one a position, which I think we all would assume at this point. And the the one big question for me, Nathan, is uh, aside from his grade is he a clear RB one in Dynasty to you? And if so, how high do you think we should have him?
1: I think that some people are getting putting the cart before the horse a little bit by saying like he's the RB three overall in Dynasty or or, or or thereabouts. But I'm gonna guess like when we go through our you know we're doing report cards in, in December and we're getting our getting our rankings out in January. I'm gonna guess that when we get our rankings out, he's probably gonna be like the RB seven to nine
2: range. So here's, here's my follow-up. Would you trade Saquon Barkley for Javante right yes. now? Yes,
1: yes. I think Saquon's cooked.
2: <laughs> as, as do I. So I, I'm going to go with a B-plus on Javante. I, I still am not the biggest of fans, but I think he's doing pretty well with his limited touches. And when he is getting that full-time role, he's done as much as you really can do with that. So I, I think it's a very easy B-plus. Once he fully takes over, it, it'll be in that A category. And, and like you said, some people say RB3. It's probably 8 to 10 for me, uh, and and definitely above Saquon Barkley.
1: All right. So before we get into the latter half of the program, I want to tell you about RotoViz. That's right. This radio network is on rotoviz.com, and you can get a rotoviz.com subscription by going to rotoviz.com and going to uh, promo code RVRADIO2021. It's the best Christmas gift, the best Hanukkah gift, even though that's over. Best a gift. All the gifts that you need this holiday season are with of I'm, I'm sure that all, all the uh, listeners listening, your wives and your sisters and your cousins and your brothers, everyone, the whole family, needs a of subscription. Don't go let, telling them they can share a password. No. Every single one needs their own login <laughs> or, you know, Uncle Uncle Nathan is going to be knocking on your door with coal. So get your of subscription, RV Radio 2021, uh, and... Get your RotoViz on. Now we want to talk about a player who, when he was drafted, was a RotoViz favorite, and um, the the masses clowned. This, this is even before Dan. This is before we were on the RotoViz radio network. True. Um, people clowned RotoViz for their uh, love of Cordarelle Patterson. Um, little did they know that RotoViz was planning for the you know, 10th year breakout or, <laughs> or, or, or whatever Cordell Patterson is. Um, we are talking about him on the RB report cards. We know he's currently a seer on MFL. That is one of, I love MFL. One of the most egregious mistakes they've made in recent memory is not switching Patterson to an RB in February or in, in August. But in february february of 2022 he will be a running back i'm confident in that so we're going to talk about his nice value as a running back even though he won't be that until february dan is smirking so are you trying to say there's a chance that he's not a running back on mfl in february
2: 2022 no i I just i just love the uh the predict the 30 year old breakout of of cordero patterson uh you know when when he came in in 2014 he was going mid-second round like he was twenty sorry, Uh he, he was going mid-second round in startups, uh, you know, following the, the rookie season. And everyone kind of thought the sky was the limit. Well, little did they know that guy can't really run routes, can't really play a position, at least the wide receiver position. And all of a sudden Atlanta says, Let's just try him at running back and see what happens. <laughs> the, and, cra- the crazy uh, part
1: is that the Vikings and Patriots played him at running back, they just never like stuck with it.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was pretty darn clear that wide receiver wasn't the move and just getting him in space and providing him lanes was really all that you needed. And and Atlanta took full advantage of that. Now I don't think there's a huge uh, dynasty change here. I, I still think he's going to be your redraft type asset, but he, even though he is 30, he doesn't have a ton of tread on the wheels. Because he's pretty much only done kick and punt returning over the last like eight years, six years, seven years, whatever it's been, he he doesn't have a lot of, of wear and tear. So I do think that there is a little bit of a window here on Cordell Patterson outside of just 2021. Now he is the RB six uh, in in fantasy points at the running back position. I think he's something like tenth uh, in points per game, but he has been. I mean, it's been such a fun story just to follow because of, you know, he was perceived as dead in the fantasy community just because he became a special teamer and all of a sudden he's, he's putting up RB one weeks pretty much every other week. About half the time he's in RB one the rest of the time he's in RB two. So I I don't think there's a ton of, of dynasty value here, but I, I do think that there is, some some gains to be made with Cordell Patterson.
1: See, I do think there's nice value to be be had, especially once the RB switch happens. I think that he's going to gain value, especially in leagues that you know mandatory start two RBs. In a recent uh, mock draft, I select, and you can tell me how crazy this is. I selected <laughs> Cordell Patterson at seven o four, um, in a dynasty startup mock. And that was over Darnell Mooney, Tyler Lockett, Kadarius Tony, Leonard Fournette, Michael Gallup, James Conner, Kareem Hunt. I, I, I think that those players might some of those players might have a higher floor long term than than Patterson. But what he's done in twenty twenty one, if he's able to do that for like two more years, like that's easily paying off the price tag of a seventh round starter pick.
2: Well, and, and you mentioned uh, who is actually going to be our, our, our future top here. Um, Leonard Fournette, who I definitely wouldn't have taken him over Leonard Fournette. But I mean, I I guess I don't hate the value, especially if you're if you're chasing RB points. And like you mentioned, you know, come February, he is going to be listed as a as a running back across what should be every platform. And that's a huge advantage. If you can get somebody that plays every position on the field, but can get listed as the running back, there's so many avenues to score points. So uh, I, I mean, obviously, I think you have to go like a plus as a report card for Cordell Patterson just because the cost to acquire was zero and the fantasy output has been you know as high infinity. It's a sideways eight at this point.
1: Yep, yeah, a plus a plus for Cordell Patterson. Um, the only part I don't like about it is that I dropped him all my leagues like five years ago.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to a player that you probably didn't drop in any, any of your leagues, but and he is the RB4 on the season, and it is one Leonard Fournette, playoff Lenny, Lombardi Lenny, Leonard Fournette, Tampa Bay. He has rejuvenated his career. A year ago, he almost got cut. He almost got cut, like, in the beginning of December last year. And I know, like, you know, write a movie, yada, yada, yada. But he has legitimately gone from, like, in – when he first got the stamp, I was like, okay, he's going to be like a year by year asset. He's going to be a guy who like is going to score points, but it's never going to be, you know, reliable week to week. He is now that guy that's reliable week to week. And I think, I think he's smart enough to know like, you know, who the, who's feeding him. And then like, I don't think he's going to chase a huge paycheck. I think he's going to continue to play for the bucks and continue to have Tom Brady as his quarterback, because I think that if Fournette goes to a subpar offensive situation, he goes back to where he was in Jacksonville.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the Tampa deal does definitely feel like it was a wake-up call. You mentioned almost being cut, and now all of a sudden you're an RB1 uh, as far as scoring goes. You're not necessarily an RB1 as far as dynasty value goes, but he definitely has turned a corner. He looks like Lenny of old. And obviously having Tom Brady and all of those other weapons around makes it much easier to produce. So he, he doesn't really have to be great. He just has to be average. And the, the points are definitely going to be there. Uh, I'm still a little bit sour because I'm just going to continue to blame him for ruining Ronald Jones, even though Ronald Jones is just probably bad. Uh, but yeah, I think and I also think I made a mistake a couple of weeks ago when I traded Leonard Fournette for uh, Travis Etienne, straight up. Which sounds like it might be crazy to be upset about, but the way the way Fournette has looked and the way he's scoring points on a mildly consistent basis has been uh, has been pretty impressive, honestly. Obviously, he, he's kind of propped up with two big games. He's got two games over thirty, and then only two games over twenty, and everything else has been very pedestrian. So. Uh, even though he's looked good when he's looked good, it's been kind of an average, an average outlook outside of a a couple of really, really big games. So I do still think Lenny has a decent amount of dynasty value. I think more than Cordero Patterson, as long as he is a Tampa Bay buck, like you said, Nathan, if he moves on, if he goes somewhere else and chases a paycheck, it's not going to work out that he needs to be in somewhere like Tampa, uh, the only other place that really fits that mold would be like Dallas and obviously or Kansas city. Pollard or Kansas city. Right. So the, these places that that use backs is kind of a, a rotation and still stick to one for the majority of it uh, is really where Lenny needs to be. And and he's got that spot.
1: Yeah. So my my grade for Wonder Fournette is a B plus. Um, I'm not really sure what's holding him back from an A, um, but I guess just,
2: you know, that he's ruining Ronald Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go B only because of the consistency issues. I, I, I don't, I don't love the fact that he's kind of unstartable like 30% of the time. And, you know, and he's really only an RB one 30% of the time. So he goes along, you know, he, he's kind of all over the place and, and he, he splits his season into thirds. He's either really good, very mediocre or bad. Um, and there's not really a consistent line like how someone like Jonathan Taylor has, where it's just flat up at 25 points.
1: Yeah. And if you look at his RB3 games, Dallas almost lost, Rams lost, Saints lost. So there you go. The Bucks need to win in order for Leonard Fournette to score points. Let's round out the show with the San Francisco 49ers. We have a pair of running backs that we're going to give grades to. Um, One of them is not going to be a very nice grade. Um, (laughs) We have Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon. I'm going to start off very quickly. Trey Sermon has been a historic disappointment. He's been a Joe Williams stand on the table and bark level of disappointment. (laughs) Trey Sermon can't even make the active roster. Trey Sermon, you get an F.
2: Yeah, it's been frustrating. I, I was a huge fan of Trey Sermon at Oklahoma for for obvious reasons. And, and then, you know, the injury stuff and moved to Ohio State and never really took a stranglehold of that backfield. And he was clearly the best runner, in my opinion. And he's just kind of been pedestrian ever since he started pretty hot at Oklahoma. So... That's a that's a tough one. You know, you mentioned the Joe Williams bit. It's another Kyle Shanahan special where they just either overdraft or misuse somebody or misunderstand somebody and and it doesn't work out. And then all of a sudden you get saved by the sixth rounder, uh, Elijah Mitchell, who has looked very good, who I think all of us would have expected Trey Sermon to look somewhat like Uh, and Elijah Mitchell, when healthy, has been pretty darn good. Um, i see, I think he's got four or 500 yard games, um, not scoring a ton of touchdowns, at least on the ground, but he definitely makes up for that in the air in an offense that likes to get all of its weapons involved, at least the ones that are are capable of being out there. So uh, I I do think that Elijah Mitchell will be the one a in a Shanahan backfield. I just struggle with giving a lot of value because we do know historically that they like to kind of rotate these guys as much as possible uh, and maybe even like a hot hand scenario. So I don't know what the future holds for someone like uh, Raheem Mostert. Obviously we would expect Trey Sermon to continue to make this team and, and be better in the future. But the fact that you have rookie Trey Sermon, second round rookie Trey Sermon who isn't even playing on Sundays and you have six. He's round on rookie, IR now though, so. True. But even before that, the yeah. fact that he was, he was healthy scratch, like, that's not a good sign of things to come. And then you have rookie six-round uh running back, Elijah Mitchell, out there just playing lights out. And and he's back. been
1: banged up as well, but he's been, you know, still playing, of course.
2: Yep. And and obviously uh Shanahan loves Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson's been back and and not a factor in this offense. Like I said, with Raheem Mostert, who knows what the future holds there. But uh I do think that we probably need to have Elijah Mitchell up a decent ways in our uh, in our rankings in, in running backs. And, you know, he's probably going to be in that, that like cam acres range, to be honest. Uh, I would love to have Trey Sermon. I'll probably be buying some Trey Sermon shares this off season for pennies. Um, but I do think that unfortunately, like Nathan, I, I have to give Trey Sermon an F based on expectations and, and you really got to give Elijah Mitchell an A. I loved him as a flyer. I was chasing him in all of my drafts. Uh, I liked the opportunity, the potential for opportunity. And uh, I thought the player was good enough to make a difference. And it's been uh, kind of nice to see. And hopefully he continues to rise.
1: Yep. And Elijah Mitchell, you know, he's been better than expected. He's been very good. And the one thing that we haven't talked about so far yet is the Trey Lance. Trey Lance, Trey Lance, Trey Lance he's going to be a positive outcome for whoever the running back is. And I'd imagine at this point that Elijah Mitchell's the favorite to be the 2022 Niners RB one with, you know, a tandem with Mostert and and Sermon. But yeah, I, I, I picture Mitchell being drafted as like a top, you know, 20 to 24 type running back and him being a value at that price.
2: I don't know that it's a certainty that Trey Lance is better for the backfield. We thought Jalen Hurts was going to be better for the Eagles, and that really quickly turned into not the same thing. Yes, I think but Jalen Hurts is bad, though. <laughs> but there's a good chance that Trey Lance is also bad. I think there's a, a there's a more likely outcome that Trey Lance is Jalen Hurts than Trey Lance is Lamar Jackson. I think there's a there's a really wide spectrum here, and I don't know that Trey Lance is on the top side of it. I think he's probably closer to the bottom side of it. Um, I actually think Jimmy Garoppolo is better for the running backs in this situation because it limits what they can do downfield and allows a lot more looks for what's underneath. Dre Lance has the big arm, but he's also got legs. I, I fear that he could take a lot of the red zone looks. I fear that he could take uh, a lot of the running looks in general where they're going to be running a lot more spread option stuff. Uh, Whereas with Jimmy, you know, he's, he's stuck in that pocket. He's either handing it off or he's throwing it, you know, (laughs) over the middle. Um, So I, I I would probably hesitate a little bit To say Trey Lance for sure Is going to be better for the offense uh, I, I I fear it a little bit But Kyle Shanahan's either been really good Or really bad so far So hopefully this is one of his really good things
1: All right That should wrap us up Hopefully this has been a really good podcast In your ear holes And uh, any last words Dan?
2: No I think you can hit him with the outro Kadoo